me, Richard, um, about his game and Kickstarter that he's got coming up. Uh, so without further ado, uh, we'll just hand over to Richard to do some introductions and about himself and a quick talk about in spirals. Thank you very and much. Yes, yeah, so my name is Richard Oxenham. Um, I live in the southwest of the UK. Um, in fact, in the same town as one of the people here. Um, All of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, All of us <laughs> yeah, I've been playing role playing games since I was a kid, like a lot of people. Um, and uh, I've also been working with the deaf community for over a decade now. Um, so I thought I'd try and combine the two passions and create a game that um, utilises British Sign Language within tabletop role-playing sort of viewpoint. And uh, that's how I came up with Inspirile. So, um, yeah, it was inspired by those dual kind of aspects of my life. Um, and I've been developing it for about a year and a half um uh calling a lot of help from some people I know in, in the art sector and uh, uh my friend who has sort of been alongside me since, since the childhood who also lives in the same town and uh he's designing the sort of systems and mechanics and my wife's doing some of the writing and i'm doing most of the art inside the book um, okay. There's not a lot of overheads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, pretty much the same as us. Like that is very much a community-focused thing. So like, um, obviously, um, it was through a, a local uh, Facebook community group where I find most of the FWA's players that I connected with uh, Richard. Uh, so, Rich, um, that was a bit about yourself. So, what exactly inspired you to create in Spirals? Spirals and whatever. So, the concept for it actually started as a novel because i've got a background in in uh, creative writing i did a, an ma at bar spa and uh i wanted to be a novelist um but i'm sick of i can't stand my own company for long so i want to do something social and <laughs> community based so um i basically uh when i moved to the town i'm in um i approached like a local uh, community outreach project and said i wanted to run dungeon dragons with local teenagers that's always been a passion. I want to do that in my spare time. And uh, <clears throat> it was basically born from that group that I've been with these, the, the hatchlings, as they're called, um, for over a year. And the game sort of was inspired by sort of honoring that group dynamic and bringing the sign language into it as a kind of um, accessibility aspect. Um, and I want to take. I want to take the book when the core book's printed and the Kickstarter's launched and hopefully successful. I want to take it into the local schools, you know, and run it as a, a workshop tool. That's really, get, really cool. There's, get there's, kids there's, learning the language, you know, get kids learning. Certainly the sign language point of thing, and obviously um, in, in terms of accessibility, um, a lot of people see like, Dungeons and Dragons and role playing as this thing that is aimed at. Um, like mature adults or mature teenagers and adults and stuff like that um but ultimately when you boil it all down it's about creative pro creative uh, interactive creativity creative problem solving everything all the types of tools that any teacher or any growing child um should should need so like i say i though my background wasn't in um like game design and stuff like that my background in uh it and uh but on, on the side, I've also been a rugby coach and a, a sports developer, and I've helped develop programs to make rugby and sport accessible and use it in ways for um, autistic children to develop social skills and things like that. So like, to have a product or, or have a game that's specifically designed to make role-playing accessible, because obviously it's very difficult for a deaf person to be involved in your, no your normal version of Dungeons & Dragons or FOA or any game where you unless you have a everyone in your party that is uh, proficient in sign language um so if you've got a game that teaches sign language in the same process i just think that's fantastic yeah it's 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 it's, it's, it's trying to, it's trying to channel that kind of idea of deaf awareness you know obviously i'm not a deaf person myself and uh in an ideal world i'd, I'd have this uh, format for for deaf 
people to run their own games and you know, create their own groups. Mm-hmm. But I'm more about introducing universal sort of sign language, you know, yep. to, to all school, local schools and stuff, and, mm-hmm. and try and push the idea that they should introduce it as a, as a possible study option, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as well as Spanish and French and all these other things. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a bit of an ambition, but like, um, I want to start, you know, my locality and, and, and branch out from there. And hopefully one of the stretch goals on the, uh, the Kickstarter is actually to, uh, to do the workshops and the tutorials with uh, American Sign Language format. Um, yeah, okay, that's, that's cool. So, so certainly if you, if you can crack the American market, then um, yeah, so, you're looking onto it because it'll be huge. Um, yeah. Speaking of your Kickstarter, when are you thinking of launching it? It's, ju- it's going to be July 18th. It's going to be July 18th. Um, okay. I've sat on it too long. That the the, uh, the COVID 19 <laughs> kind of pulled the rug from under me. But I, I'm I'm just going to get it out for better or worse, and then um, uh, get my head down and, and finish the the, uh, the core book. Okay, cool. Um, and when do you think you're going to be ready to release? New Year 2021. Okay, superb. Yeah, superb. Um, like you said. Um, you uh well, sorry you touched upon obviously it involves sign language um as a mechanic does inspire does it inspire us teach sign language uh, are there mechanics within the system that so the mecha- example, the it, it, myself or musa or myself or neil or rob could pick it up and um by the time by the time we finish learning the rules we'll be semi quasi partially <laughs> proficient in sign language yeah, so so it will start when you start playing. It will be more of a taster. So it'll, the book, the core book, when you when you when you sort of um, support the Kickstarter, you'll get a, a link to a, a video tutorial done by my colleague Rajni. She's a she's a deaf a deaf uh, colleague of mine, and she's really proficient in sign language. And she's got a big community of of, of the deaf community links there, um, mm-hmm. and she's going to create the tutorial videos uh, that you can follow along. Uh, obviously, the visual sort of that so you can have your you can even have your tablet or phone on the table and, and refer to the the alphabet and and but the but the unique thing is that it's it's it's, it's not just a, it's just not a tacked on thing it's like part of the whole game so it's okay. like it's, it's an element called shaping basically that's the, that's mm-hmm. it. within the world it's mm-hmm. called shaping which is like essentially like um if you think about um fifth edition with the thieves cant and you know yeah. the different languages there mm-hmm. it's kind of embroiled within the races of 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 the world um and you um the lexicon i guess is is dynamic so you say you want to cast a fire spell you do the sign for fire and like spell casting and then and say it's like you do the 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 alphabet um finger spelling for it so it's it's in quite basic sign language but by the Mm -hmm. end of a couple of sessions you'll the, the kids will know the alphabet like back to front Oh, that's really cool. That's, that's the foundations of it. So that's the foundations of it, and then they'll start to learn the um, the shapes, so to speak, mm-hmm. for casting spells. And then the, if they combine finger spelling with shaping, mm-hmm. then they can cast high level spells. So essentially, the more they learn, the more adapted. Yeah, the more adaptive that the higher power they get. Okay, well, that's really really cool. So you've you basically incorporated sign language into the actual mechanics of the system. Hundred percent, but okay. it has to be clear. It has to, it's an optional yeah. thing. Yeah, because some people would some kids would not be comfortable doing this. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Like, I said, I, I, like ninety nine percent of FOA's rules are optional. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's, it's not packed on, but it's a yeah. very very robust system. But yeah, it isn't it isn't and it's optional still. Yeah, but even thinking of thinking that that just that concept in a like a gaming environment, it, it makes it it certainly makes the again more immersive and interactive so rather than just sitting there saying i'm casting fireball you're actually involved that's what i hope yeah, yeah. um oh, that's, that's fantastic and it's great what about you guys what is yeah. as well as invoke, invoking spells and whatnot what other mechanics are there for skills and spells is it still dice based or yes yeah, dice based so um it's 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 based um it's a combination of like celtic mythology and arthurian myth Yep. So it's got a lot of uh, elements of the Arthurian sort of legends, um, and you're not a, you're not a GM, you're a, you're a Grail guide, um, and the players have a thing called a, a Grail pool, which is essentially like a set of a full set of polyhedral dice that they can roll extra on top of the mechanics, 
So it gives the players a little bit of an edge, but it's only because they're human. Because the, the whole concept of the game is that they were kidnapped by changelings, which is like another Celtic myth, um, and taken to this other world when they were babies, basically. And they grew up with one of seven races. And, and you're essentially a human throughout the game. So the teenagers will play humans, but you have uh, unique abilities um, bestowed to you by the, the very concept at the heart of the game is, is, is the collection of belief. I don't know if you've all seen Neverending Story or read the Neverending Story. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, the, whole, the whole concept of that is that the world's caught crumbling because people don't believe in in that, in that sort of in that realm yeah. or that world. Yeah. And it's the same for the same for Inspirals. It's like um, the kid, the players have to collect belief by returning to Earth and kind of like making kids um, telling kids stories or helping them out and stuff like that. And they collect it and bring it back to the world. And uh, that's the whole that's the whole point of the empathy and the collaboration between players. That's really cool. On the reverse yeah. side, on the reverse side, there's no death. There's only disbelief. So even if you go into battle with something, you you get a certain you accumulate a certain amount of disbelief points, and you lose that encounter. Where do I sign up? We haven't shut up. We haven't had any death yet. Well, we'll get onto that. Because <laughs> okay. we, we came close. <laughs> very, very close. Twice. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, um, from your Kickstarter, obviously, you're going to run it for the full length uh, period yeah, of the time. Month. Yeah, the yeah, month. The whole month. Awesome. Yeah. So, what, are, what are your targets? What, what's well, your primary more importantly, what are your stretch goals? I love a good yeah. stretch goal. <laughs> so the stretch goals... So the target it's just over a grand, so it's not it's it's quite moderate really in some ways. Um, yeah. um and I'm hoping that's just to mainly pay pay my map artist because she's brilliant. Um mm-hmm. she's called Sash, but she's just a fantastic map artist. And she's doing the battle maps for it and the and the also the what you know, the location maps. Yeah. Um and I don't know if uh like there's a, a chap called Josh Somerville. Uh, he's he's at mythic comics art on twitter mm-hmm. yep. and he's done like an amazing like art co- cover art yep. for me uh, which people can see on our oh um, they see on our yep. it's it's up on the stream yeah and he, you know when he when he'd done that i thought i thought to myself it pretty much sells itself you yeah know? it's really nice i do like it he's oh. like not art he's not artist and he obviously mm-hmm. does other stuff as well um so the stretch goals yeah um so with the core book, you're going to get like a certain amount. You use cards basically for spells, abilities, and items, uh, and you lay them down before you go into the mechanics of combat or or, or encounters. And then, um, so they're going to be a certain amount of them released with the core book. Uh, so, what the first initial stretch goal is to expand that a bit more and mm-hmm. to include more cards. Then I'm going to get Josh to do more Celtic art within the book mm-hmm. if we get a certain amount. Uh, that'll be amazing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's all about the artist. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every no, time I've got, it, a, I've got. A... Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I've got quite a, quite, quite a, a close colleague in the Twitter sphere who's um, who's written, did, you know, Dungeon Dragons adventures, and I want her to do the next adventure beyond the starter one. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then, uh, and then, like I said, I want to uh, create a lexicon, a more advanced lexicon for the for the shaping system within the game. And then, uh, and then go to American Sign Language and get a new tutorial by an American signer um, cool. who I've already lined up. And um, and then I've got a colleague who's supported me since the beginning of the endeavour, and I want her to um, get involved in it. So that's the ultimate stretch goal that she'd be part of the team. Yeah, that's cool. I've got one. Interesting is Neil. I have no idea why he's still here. Uh, two years, <laughs> two years there, <laughs> but he's still around. Yeah, but you know, as long as I hit my, as long as I hit that initial goal, I'll have enough money to pay the artist. And uh, and if I don't, even if it's not successful, I'm still gonna be able to produce it because, obviously, like I said, there's very few overheads. It's it's a very close knit team, and they're essentially like a family. Yeah, it's fair. So, uh, Pretty much, pretty much. But FOA, everyone we brought in, the yeah. two people drift away over the time period. So, at the end of the day, it's a community-based thing. We just 
brought people in from the Bristol community and you stick together, you make friends and that's it. Exactly. Good. Hence this. Yeah. <laughs> Superb. All right, it's great. Um, we can stick with, uh, anyone got any more questions for Rich? I think they've mostly been answered. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good though. Right. Uh, have, um, have, have you got a website or anything, Rich? Yeah, so I'm uh, on Twitter. I'm Hatchling DM. Yep. Hatchling DM. Um, my website uh, www.hatchlingsdm.com. Mm -hmm. um, you can find you can book like workshops and stuff. Uh, and eventually, in the new year, I'll have the book to take to those workshops. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the Kickstarter is uh, www.kickstarter.com forward slash projects forward slash tattered bear forward slash inspirize. Awesome. Um, that's it yeah um yeah and that's a bit random it's because i i set up a kickstarter a long time ago for a video game okay and I can't, <laughs> I can't i can't shift that uh that tag for some reason anyway um yeah lovely speaking to you guys thanks yeah, for you too mate like i said um from my perspective i just think it's an amazing amazing product mainly because it it's um concept is purpose of making role-playing more accessible um and yeah, um, yeah. said all credit I, I certainly know that once kickstarter goes up i'll be backing it hopefully oh, um, i can close yeah. our lot into doing the same and from there we'll we'll move on and so hopefully see you at a few conventions um i can't remember what the yeah, name of the one is if if it ever happens uh again <laughs> with, with COVID, yeah, if, yeah. If, if convention, if convention yeah if if conventions are like concord that's the one <laughs> So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see you at Concord next year, which is a plan, Absolutely, um, yeah. COVID yeah. willing. Uh, and hopefully- I'll have my book by then. I'll have my book. Yeah. I'll have my book. Yeah. It'll be brilliant. Yeah. It'll be brilliant. So will we. Um, and we'll, we'd yeah. love to have you back on, um, not as a, not obviously uh, on Dev's Corner to find out how things are going along the way, but we'd love to have you on the show. I'll give you a sneak peek of FRA and we'll get you on um, and kill you. I mean- um, <laughs> I'd absolutely love that. We'll, we'll get you on as a, a guest in, in maybe uh, I can have like disbelief instead of death. <laughs> no, no, no death happens. <laughs> you will be to die. Yeah, death definitely happens in every way. Um, but yeah. no, it's been uh, great talking to you. If you, you feel free to stick around and ask some questions. Um, we, we need to do our recap, and that's why we've got Neil and Rob here, and um, and obviously to introduce some of FOA's mechanics. Um, and because last session was quite combat heavy, um, we're going to touch on how FWA's combat system works and our injury system and, and ultimately death, um, or, <laughs> in Rob, or in Rob's case, avoiding death. Um, <laughs> so up to you, you're, you're free to stick around or we can... I've got to do some things. Okay. I've got to <laughs> do some things with the family. Yeah, super, mate. It's, it's great to have you on. Um, and we'll speak yeah, to you, thank you so again. Much um relatively soon um instead of yeah, on twitter etc um as mentioned yeah. hopefully everyone who's watching or listens to it in podcast forum because people listen to our podcasts uh more than <laughs> they watch the videos um do check out richard's stuff like i said all these details will be up on our twitter and facebook and uh all, all the other places um all the best mate and great having you on nice to meet you Rich. thank you guys yeah, good luck catch you soon Superb, mate. Bye. Cheers. I, I, I just have to do some technical bits and pieces. Um, and Neil and stuff back on screen. Superb. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, I had a melting again. Don't know why. Right. Okay. Uh, guys, uh, episode three. Um, some near death experiences for the, the pair of you. Um, pretty, pretty meaty. Yeah. Talk me through it. How did it I, feel? I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I, I, I was sad initially that I was off by myself and I wished I was with everybody else. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, yes, I'm center stage. And then all hell broke loose. <laughs> and then I wished I was with everybody else again. So for, for the sake of viewers, do you want to talk everyone through uh, all hell breaking loose and what you saw? Well, uh, me, and, me and one of the G's and the, the corporal. Gerald. Gerald, Gerald. <laughs> Is it not? Yeah, okay, Gerald. Uh, went out to investigate a, a group that hadn't returned yet from the watch. Um, and we found um, a large demon 
being held in place with trebuchets and all sorts of other gnarly weapons. Some bad looking people um, who obviously spotted us because we're barely level one um, and uh, chased us down. And if it wasn't for the fact that essentially the other two people in the group killed themselves by the escape, yeah. It, I mean, it, won't, it will go, it will go forgotten, but it'll take a few levels before I forget that. Um, yeah, I literally fled. I've got wounded several times quite heavily. Had to stop mid-fight and hide behind a tree and literally patch myself up. And and then I spent the next twelve hours running and then walking and then running again. That's yeah. I honestly thought that Musa was going to be Musa the one-legged for a while. <laughs> Or just Musa. Sorry, I don't know who that was. Never met him before. I met him for twenty minutes. That was good. Failed his job. Yeah. Yeah. From my perspective, obviously, um, as the GM, I thought it was a, a really good encounter. Obviously, it was uh, it was something that was designed to not to be a fight, um, more of a hoping you would get in and get back out. But sadly, Gerald rolled a natural one on his. His athletics and fell out of the tree, um, and were hell broke loose. Um, but then this is, yeah, yeah, Joe was dead. Um, then this is where FOA's uh, combat system kicked in, because uh, um, for those of you who watched it or listened to it, um, everything in there was driven by the mechanics. It wasn't, it wasn't me adding flavour um, and just saying, all right, uh, Gerald's been shot in the hip, and that's where our injury system come in. Like there were a lot of natural twenties rolled. Uh, during Musa's escape, I think. Um, Far too many. Yeah, um, I think uh, both Gerald and Corporal Collins, and well, all three of them and Musa also got uh, shot shot with a crit. Um, Neil and Musa were very lucky because the, the damage that his injury inflicted was relatively minor compared to the others. Gerald had a severed femoral artery. Uh, Corporal Collins got a punctured lung, which meant flight and escape was impossible, so Corporal Collins decided to do the honourable thing of go out in a blaze of glory. I didn't even stop to check that. They, they were behind <laughs> me, which meant that I was winning that foot race. Yep. So as long as, long as, you, as, long as you outrun the other guy, who cares? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, um, there, was, there was a point where I was thinking, because of the mechanics and the way it works, I might have the hit points to take a blow in a couple of different locations, but if it hits one of the places I've hit, I've already been hit. It's game over. Specifically, specifically, if you're hitting the leg again, yeah, um, and your movement rate was reduced, then that was it. You were you were all game over. Whereas in, I'd say, in systems where you've just got these block um, core of hit points, um, you can't have that mechanic. You are simply running, and you're always on, even till the point where you've got one hit point you're always fully functionable i was honestly thinking in my head if i get hit again and i'm going down i'm going to have to work out how i'm going to get through this massive demon interrogation and <laughs> how many of my friends i'm going to have to kill to survive <laughs> or how many uh, secrets i'm going to have to divulge because <laughs> i would have turned easy yeah <laughs> fair enough um and like i said um, you didn't hear that wrong but but you didn't hear that. <laughs> but like yeah. so, uh, certainly uh, having watched it back and listened to the podcast while I was um, uh, doing all the editing and bits and pieces like that, it, I, I felt it would come across really really well. It felt dramatic. Um, obviously, Dra I was going to say dramatized, traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then it's done its job. Yeah. Um, and much the same thing as when we flip over to the death matches and like I said, um, uh, we. Uh, Tabar and Morton and stuff like that. The fights, they they didn't explore everything that FOA's combat system has. Certainly in uh, the way that yours did, because your limb said uh, Gerald took enough damage in uh, one of his legs to prevent him being able to move properly, which, which is what spelt his doom. Um, and obviously, then he bled out because he developed a bleeding injury. And Corporal Collins developed. Uh, Obviously, both a bleeding injury and a resp uh, respiratory problem, something that um, that certainly at your level, which was level one, you would have been unable to do anything about. Um, so that spelt his doom, which is why he told you to pass on. But when we went over to the death matches later on, you had 
Mortem and Thavar just going toe to toe with uh, with people, um, and it came down to critical blows, or and in Morton's case, the fight would have ended in a coup de grace, a kill shot, had um, Eric not really, cheated. really lucked out. <laughs> well, oh, God, he just cheated. Well, that, like I said, we won't go into the exact details of what Eric did. We can let people go off and watch that and um, and listen to it. Uh, but what was your what was you what was your um, uh, perspective on combat and the combat system playing someone that is a fighter? Because I know during the, uh, the test phase you were with us, Rob, you played predominantly mages. Before I Rob did. says anything, before Rob says anything, I just want to say I know all the mechanics, and I think Eric was an idiot. <laughs> just all think Eric was because, an idiot. Just because <laughs> that was. It was it was absolutely ballsy because obviously I don't want to give you rules or he's not yeah. read the rules. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, I, I I I know Mike has read the rules. What he did was utterly ballsy because he, he could have literally blown his own brain or uh, blown his own head off or turned himself inside out just trying. Um, but no, I said it was it was quality. Yeah, sorry, well, no one will ever know. No. Um, the fight well, the is interesting <laughs> um being that close and personal becomes a lot more dangerous than being slightly further away flinging things at people mm -hmm. um and i think if i had gone first that fight would have gone completely differently because the nat 20 would have gone first and i would have stopped it but it's changes that's how narrow the margins are though isn't it in FOA. Yeah. Yeah, you, it it makes a massive difference. Like the first round, I got a really low roll. Second round, I got a much better roll, and it just changes the flow of battle. You, it becomes more natural. And yeah, because in in FOA, we would like said though the mechanics are there for people who want to use a static uh, initiative system. It's just our personal choice, and one of the reasons why I went with a a, a rolling um, initiative system. Um, where you roll initiative every single round because battle and combat is a very fluid environment. Um, and also from a, a metagaming uh, viewpoint, it's very hard to metagame or for players to plot what they're going to do in this so-called six-second time period where everything is supposedly happening at the same time rather than it being this laid-out linear thing. Um, if you don't know what your initiative is the next round, you can't plan that. Um, so it it puts a little bit more emphasis and it forces you to think about what's going on and makes you more, um, right, I'm going to do this rather than constantly reacting to what's happening in the initiative order in front of you, which is what happens in a lot of other systems that use a static uh, uh, initiative system. Because um, obviously we need a mechanic to separate all the actions out, um, otherwise it just gets a bit messy. But if every round we've got a perpetual and again, for example, we'll take Neil. We'll take Neil as an example who just rolls crap all the time. Um, <laughs> at least gives him a chance to have a good roll and have a good initiative. Um, like Musa did actually roll really well in initiative orders, which allowed him to act first. If he hadn't acted first, then we probably would have been caught and chased out, and we would yeah. have been in a different scenario. Oh, I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, dice rolls dreadful. <laughs> But the thought that you 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 think we actually plan anything using initiative, no. Mm -hmm. yeah, but, uh, yeah, some we some could. people do. Yeah, some people do. If we had a, if we had a static initiative system, you could go right who's where in the yeah. order, and then you can sit around and you can yeah sure uh, meta game it out. Um, but uh, and hopefully that's something that the 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 rolling initiative, as I call it, um, helps prevent, which makes it more. Um, also, the way, the way initiative is calculated, it's very difficult now to build a, I'm going to build a really fast, he's going to be quick off the mark, he's going to be first in every fight, because you can't, you can't build that class, that character, uh, with, with the amount of uh, sort of roles and uh, pluses and minuses you get. It's very difficult using what we use for initiative versus depth and strength for combat, etc. Yeah, because I am it's something we don't use dexterity as a, a focal point for initiative. Um, for us, like the concept of initiative is 
um, how you perceive and and uh, see the battlefield and your decision making process within. Because um, and something in FOA, um, as your character class as your level goes up, your initiative improves with it. To 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 give you that level of like experience, and so you know you've seen these types of things before, and you know how to react and and uh, and what to do. Um, so initiative in FOA is certainly um, dealt with very differently to it is in other uh, D twenty systems. It's mega important as well. Yeah, it like still first shot can kill you. Yeah, so you um, first, but I mean I can't guarantee. I... Yeah, and that brings us into our um, injury system and stuff like that. Um, but I, the, the concept of injury systems and critical hits and injuries and stuff uh, aren't new, and it goes all the way back to the days of uh, Rollmaster and um, even first ed and second ed. Um, I know DMs that were creating injuries to add a little bit more flavour to just rolling damage, and that's it. So we've got a, um, a a critical injury system. So whenever anyone rolls a critical, um, you just much like Rollmaster, you the GM will then refer to a table, uh, which are all fully customizable. Um, even though when we release the books, there will be some there. Um, but much like everything in the, the Games Master Companion, it will just say, "Feel free to make your own, and here's the tools to go and do it." Um, here's how we created ours. Um, over to you, create your own. Um, so GMs can have their own flavor, but the injuries aren't, the injuries aren't there to just hamper and penalize players, they're there to add a, a level of authenticity. Um, there we go, <laughs> yeah, there we go, <laughs> just one. As well as um, give players um, something to think about different challenges. So if you've got your leg broken, uh, for example, um, if in the low levels, um, for example, if they say Musa or uh, Morton broke their leg, it's going to—they've got no way of healing it magically, because um, uh, the the only the only acolyte in the party certainly isn't that powerful. Um, so they've got five or six weeks to sit around and decide what to do whilst their leg heals. Or Morton can just man up and go right. I'm going to hobble along. I don't care if my um, if I'm unsteady, I don't care if I, my movement rates reduced. We'll just push on. So, and it gives our, you uh, a, just to put it in context, our our healer at the moment, if we had a broken leg, would be better off using their engineering skills to make and fabricate <laughs> a splint than it would be to try yeah. and heal. But yeah, so, so there's, though we've got lots of different types of injuries. You can do everything from having your legs broken, breaking a limb. Uh, fractured skull, brain damage, nerve damage. Um, obviously, some that will require players um, at certainly low and medium levels to go off and find someone capable of fixing it. Um, no, none of the injuries that exist within the system uh, have don't have a solution, don't have a fix. Either it be magical through some go and see a disciple or a druid to get regeneration or the injury healed or even mundane solutions like herbal uh, herbal remedies and stuff like that. So there's lots of solutions. So again, much like um, as we spoke about last week with all our checks and balances, I wasn't going to put something in the system that would just totally shaft players over nonstop. Um, so there are solutions for it. Obviously, there are some occasions, for example, when you're low level and you've got a punctured lung, there's not a great deal you can do about it. Um, in one of our little campaign zeros, one of the NPCs, Again, got a punctured lung, so the party decided there's nothing we can do about it. He's going to bleed out, and bleed out, and suffocate shortly. So they killed him. Uh, they put him out of his misery, which led to a very good role-playing argument within the party. Um, so for me, that was the the premise of the critical injury system, and that went all the way back to the the days of playing Rollmaster, which I really loved. We just it added one flavor and two problems. For you to solve forces yeah. downtime as well for everyone because yeah. you then have to use the time if somebody's mm -hmm. trying to heal to the best of your ability so a fighter with a broken leg might not be able to train in fighting for quite mm -hmm. a while it's going to have to pick up a book and attempt yeah. to read mm -hmm. and so uh, with, with the way that foa's skill development uh is built in if you've got a lot of downtime on your hands you go right i might give up doing that but i've got uh, a trade i've spent a skill slot on a trade skill so i'm gonna practice my cartography or i'm gonna practice my 
jewelry work and so you can build up skills even when you're forced to do some downtime um and hopefully again it extends the character life thing because one issue that i always certainly struggled with when coming back and playing like fifth edition and fourth edition and stuff like that is um the path from one to 20 seemed to certainly in game time in play in your your character's lifespan was so short it was ridiculous it should take you 10 15 years to go from level one to level 20 whereas the way it's it seems to be doing um certainly in some places it's taking a year two years you're gaining so much power if that's the case your work yeah your world should be full of level 20 characters because pretty much every adventure that hasn't died in two years <laughs> is by, by that same premise is level 20 um which over balances the, the whole your your gym's entire world complex because everybody's level 20. um so every time you get into a bar fight <laughs> brooms explode um universe ordering magic gets thrown around which is just nonsensical so again much of everything we tried to do with foa was to make sure that it was one a authentic but b logical and sensible which should hopefully make it uh easier to understand um how do you guys feel about having the injury system? I know Neil played role master, but uh, for someone like yourself, Rob, is a relatively new concept. Um, it makes me come up with ingenious ways around it. <laughs> Play test, I came up with some interesting ideas and the fact that I couldn't cast any spells that required me to make a spell attack. Well, no, no, I mean, you could, you could, but you had a disadvantage because you'd lost one of your eye, but yeah, you said it was so, a really interesting idea. You came up with the idea of making a magic eye. Um, that, which... um, use aoe spells that don't require me to aim at something yeah so there's a, there's a, with all the penalties that injuries inflict there are ways and so it asks players to be creative losing a leg losing an arm obviously there are some injuries like having your head chopped off that <laughs> aren't solvable it's they're they're pretty bad you need to be resurrected after that Based and infant death you. is a thing it can happen so essentially in foa it doesn't matter if you're level 20 uh, legionnaire or guardsman or whatever um if a level one monster gets lucky it can take your head off um which is a bad day for everyone so so regardless of your level there should be that level of i won't use the word fear but that level of um anticipation that level of um excitement during combat um whereas making with other every, systems making every fight feel that it could be dangerous rather yeah. than if you're a level 20 um soldier you you can go in and go well i've got this it's not that big i said i've been murdered didn't i in foa yeah. there is a, a a serious issue where you see something as level one you can be level two you see something as level one you can't think oh yeah i got this fight <laughs> because again initiative wise if they hit you first and they roll well you're calling crying for your mum, crawling away from them, saying, I hope they don't hit me again. No, no one wants that. Yeah, no. And it's a very real possibility, at least. No, obviously. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things. Um, and, and something I've said, I've, I've said uh, throughout the time, certainly like with Neil, and to, to, to most of the players, if there isn't that element of danger, that element of risk in combat, whereas with some systems, um there isn't you don't you play them and you don't feel you're at risk um due to either the mechanics or some of the spells in the game which is and the power balance being shifted in, in your player if your actions if there is no risk are your actions truly heroic if you can walk into any encounter knowing that you're going to win for example if you just say uh, you're a level uh, 10 character and you come across a group of goblins which you know you've got more hit points than they have and there is no way in this world that you're going to miss all of them because you've got three attacks two three attacks around or whatever um you know that you can wipe out those 10 goblins um is that a heroic action no but even in in oh, and in happened in FOA, yeah. and would swarm you, and you get yeah. that sack of shit. 
yeah. And in, in a way, we have swarming rules, which you'll, which the players will suffer from. I mean, experience at some stage, um, <laughs> which mean if a large number of creatures swarm over and swarm around you, doesn't matter what level you are, you're still going to get hit because you simply cannot concentrate and focus on that many creatures at a time, uh, making large packs of creatures dangerous regardless of their level. Again, that adds that again that authenticity, that realism to combat, because uh, um, unless you're a uh, Oriental uh, movie star, you can't run into an army full of people and just kill everyone. Um, but and that's something I wanted. I wanted uh, combat in FOA to be not. Yeah, I want it to be scary. I want it to be seat of your pants type thing. So that when you finish a fight. You're going, oh, fuck me, I survived. Uh, um, that was fantastic. It was great. It was brilliant. Um, and so far, I think all of the fights that we've had, like um, even uh, Morton's discussion with my, uh, my pay, um, the death matches, uh, the bear. I thought the bear was great. Um, again, Musa was uh, seriously at risk. He killed all of us. And yeah. that... Well, no, to he be honest, the... did. <laughs> The, the way the way that I stacked that encounter, it should have been it should have been totally in your favour because it, a it was already wounded, but because he got lucky knocking Gerald out with the first blow, um, got lucky when Gary fell over, knocked him out, and then so it just killed him. Um, it coup de grade him, it crushed his head. Um, so the, the the power balance in that fight just through a couple of lucky rolls, instantly not instantly but very quickly shifted in the player's favour. Uh, in, in the monster's favor. Um, and that's something that's very difficult to happen in other systems because the power balance sits with the players and the only way to shift that balance is to utterly ramp your monsters out of, um, out, uh, out of context to to meet them. Whereas in FOA, you can create lots of little packs of little monsters and things like that. And they're still a threat. Um, and because they're a threat, it become, hopefully it becomes fun um, and heroic. It's very difficult to be able to predict where that power balance is going to shift. If you yeah. can work it out, then you go, you're one step ahead. But with so many different factors, you just can't. You've just got to be afraid all the time. <laughs> good. <laughs> fear is good. Fear keeps, you, fear keeps you alive, keeps the blood, keeps the blood, the blood pumping. You've got to yeah, choose when to have a fight. Sure. Sometimes yeah. it's more valorous to run away and survive than you've got to be on your turn go headlong yeah you've uh, got to uh, decision. yeah and with a system like that it's like you um like FOA, you can't just start a fight with anyone um so it, it, it also puts the context of i don't know diplomacy <laughs> into the world where no no no, no. due diligence <laughs> you need to do your due diligence before okay. you set two on someone yeah. You talk to them first, fight them second. Ascertain whether they're worth fighting, and then fight them. Yeah. And run away, and then work out how you're going to kill them some other way. Yeah. First first decision, don't let Mortem do the talking. Just keep them away. Eric Morton, Eric Morton, I think either of you would be bad for business. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Like, so I ran a couple of episodes in it for, um, so far this system. Uh, I asked the um, the rest of the guys last week and the ladies, um, so Mike and the ladies, um, what are your thoughts so far on how you've been brought into the system, how your characters have been evolved from nothing to so far, how are you enjoying it and things like that? Well, I've really enjoyed it just because it's very, it's not very often you get to play someone who's level zero. Um, so you get a good sort of defining sort of couple of episodes, really, where you can kind of decide how, which way you want to go with him. Um, and you, you've always, you've always got that legacy then. Not like you've dropped in at level three and you just make it up. Literally, you know, if you want to see where, I, if I ever get to level three, <laughs> you want to, you want to look back and see what I've, done from the very beginning it's literally all there all, or it's all documented mm -hmm. i'm i'm really enjoying it it gets a chance that no one ever normally plays zero level zero 
mm-hmm. you normally have that that one session where you will um, make your characters and then level them up and talk about it. But here we've all got to live through level zero. Yeah. To some degree. No, because the, the whole concept of the prologue, which we're, we're playing through at the moment, was to, obviously, as Neil said, to give you that legacy. Because um, um, with most games and most campaigns, people get dropped in at level three or five or whatever um, to add that level of safety. But in FOA, there is no level of safety, so it doesn't matter if you're level zero or level 20. Um, but it gives both you as the players and those that watch and listen to us um, the chance to see your origin so rather than it just being this backstory or a convoluted backstory that just gets played out over time obviously you've all got backstories that will get explored um over um over the course of the campaign and stuff like that but you see how eric become a forsaken we discovered how musa become a pathfinder and we've watched um Kader's seduction um into the not it's into the it's not a cult of Daracross. um <laughs> And, and things like that. So um, there is a, a narrative context to how you all become what you are, which is something that um, I've not seen before. Uh, as far as your own characters' interactions, your own characters' combats and stuff are concerned, um, how do you feel? How do you think it's going? I've been enjoying it because we don't all get to partake at the same time, but yeah. um, we get to watch each other have yeah. quite a lot of fun in it makes us all feel part of it because we're all going oh crap moose is going to die and none of us are even going to know yeah yeah so you just wouldn't have come back then yeah but still, fortunately i still might not <laughs> still why <might> not <laughs> he hasn't decided yet i just keep running straight past i'm just using the i'm uh, going to use the quarry <laughs> as, as a bait for everyone tracking me and i'm yeah. just going to run past it keep going okay. fair enough <laughs> i'll catch you guys later but yeah, yeah. obviously there'll be a point where we become more traditionalist and you all come together and then you guys can do the talking and I can shut up for like the next six weeks. I um, think we'll have a good dynamic once we've all got together. Yeah. yeah. I, I already owe a life debt to somebody who healed me. Mm-hmm. Well, there we go. Friends forever. Or for the next 20 minutes. I know mm-hmm. no one interfered with my fight. I just got lucky and I survived. Yeah. yeah. So, as far as I'm concerned, there was no because no, you you were unconscious. You had no idea what was going on. Um, so yeah, I just said from from a narrative point of view, um, you said the next episode should be quite interesting. Is Musa gonna r- just yeah. leg it towards Canam and hop on yeah. the and smuggling smuggling himself on the, the first boat home? Eventually, <laughs> jump on that same whaling ship and lock myself <laughs> in the brig, lock the door on myself, <laughs> throw it. <laughs> That's my life now. <laughs> At least I get fed there. And they get chased <laughs> by bears or demons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to pay for your food. I feel like I paid, my, I paid for my debt to society. <laughs> right there and then. Yeah. So have you, got, you guys got any context and any questions you want to put forward about how it's going? And no, I'm enjoying it so far. Um, I'm looking forward to us finally getting together as a group. I'd be interested mm-hmm. to see how that happens. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just uh, yeah, waiting, waiting to see. Yeah, that's that's going to be the fun tying us all together somehow. Yeah, well, the, the foundations have been laid somewhat. Maybe quite literally. Um, yeah. So, like I said, the, the foundations of what's going to happen have been laid. Um, like I said next week, no spoilers for any of the players or anyone else like that. But it's whether or not the probably... sorcerer becomes part of the team. Yeah, that, that, yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, but like I said, uh, the foundations have been laid for how you guys are will be will come together what, what the fates have designed for you but certainly up to you at the end of the day I, I i've never wanted it to be the type of what i call contrived role-playing where you will get brought you will meet in a pub or you will answer this notice board letter and you get brought together and 10 minutes later you will fall in love and you will die for each other and things like that and that's one of the great from, from my perspective it's one of the good things that you guys there is no real connection yet um, okay, um, uh, Harriet mentioned last week that Thabar and Morton have this training regime going on to the type of connection there. And, um, like, for example, for, for Neil, is that no... They're all dead. No connection to any of the players whatsoever. 
Um, he, he goes off, he ranges for a couple of days, come back, eats his meal, go to sleep, gets up in the morning and goes off. He's had very little PC interaction. There's also um, nobody else that I know within about 2,000 miles. No. <laughs> so he is in a, a world of his own. Um, and yeah. I think that adds a very good dynamic to it. That and um, one of our characters is a knight. So they don't do any interaction yep. with us. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, it's something I've done. I, something I've done specifically to to put you in in specific positions so that you as players can um, obviously, as we get to the point where the party is either a forced together or comes together organically, um, you've now got that. You're now in that situation where you will know each other. You will you will you will you will got a similar experience and life experience together. Um, so now for me, it will just be a case of moving the chess pieces around, so to speak, and, and putting you in a situation where you can make a decision of whether you come together or whether you will go your separate ways. If you'll go your separate ways, and it's great, I not from my perspective, it's great, but because <laughs> I have to, because I, I have to write five different adventures every week. <laughs> We've all had a word, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what it takes to break. Yeah, we'll yeah. see how many characters we can kill at each session. So we start with yeah. a new character every session. Yeah, obviously, obviously, where you are at the moment is quite convenient from a GM's point of view because if somebody dies, there's a lot of people in the mine. <laughs> I would just give you another inmate or someone who works at the mine. Um, but now it's, um, it's been, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed both of your characters. Like, um, Mortem is just utterly awkward. Um, and from uh, an interaction point of view, it's created some some good moments. Um, Musa said he's reacted well and he, he gelled quite well with Gerald and Gary before they all died. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you killed everyone he ever knew. Yeah, and, 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 and Harper. So everyone, and so everyone in, in Northern Athlone that. Um, Musa had made friends with him, he's now dead. I'm going to rename myself from Flowering Banana to uh, Black Widow. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Super. All right, um, well, we've been going for nearly an hour, because um, our chat with the rest of stuff like that. It's great to have you guys on this evening. Um, and uh, people can catch the podcast version and BAD on YouTube tomorrow. Um, and we're on Twitter and Facebook and all the other stuff. So like, subscribe and all that stuff. And I'm sure we'll all see you again. Yep. And we'll see you guys in a few weeks. Cheers, guys. Yep. Uh, thank you very much. Adios. Bye, everyone. Mike's right button.